given so much already this morning that I, 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 well, let me say it this way. We have all had so many chances already to allow the Lord to work in our hearts this morning, right? That's a good way of saying that. There have been so many chances already uh, just stepping into worship, into the presence of God. You know, the Bible says his presence dwells in our praises. As we worship, listen, we find so many things we've been looking for everywhere else. We find perfect peace in his presence. In his presence, there's abundance of joy. If, if you have been lacking any of those things, uh, next time you're here or, or even this afternoon, whatever, step into worship, step into praise and invite his presence into that moment. And, and not only are we honoring him and, and doing the thing we're called to do with just worship him, but man, things happen on the inside of us. It's like it just unlocks all these promises, peace, joy, whatever else it is. And you begin to operate in it. So I know there's at least one more chance here for us to, to allow the Lord to work on the inside of us through the word. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to introduce, really, what, what I wanted to share today. And part of my message today is going to be shared with my good friend Chuck McCarter. Chuck uh, and was talking to me about a couple months ago about a conversation he had with David, his son. If any of you work in children's ministry, you know David. And, or, or if you've been here for a while, you know Chuck and Sarah and David. But Chuck shared a powerful, powerful testimony with me. And then he shared it with our FC Cool Guys last month. Uh, and and it, there's even more to it now. So I asked Chuck a few weeks ago, I said, Chuck, I'm going to talk about speaking life in our homes and the week I do that, could you share for about 10 minutes what the Lord did through you when you were talking to David? He said, absolutely. So he's prepared to do that. So all I'm going to do here is introduce something, uh, uh, this, this idea, this truth here. And then I'm going to pass this mic to Chuck. And Chuck is going to share this testimony with us for 10 minutes. I'll come back up. I'll close this out. And uh, we'll, we'll worship for a few more minutes. And then I'll close this out with some, and invite our prayer ministers up. Uh, but, you know, there's so much more to our words than we may think, right? And, and this series is called Home. This is the fourth week we've talked about home. When our homes are filled with uh, a steady diet of positive language, positive words, the word of God, right? It changes the very atmosphere. It changes everything about your home it sets you up for a healthy, healthy home and an environment that looks more like the kingdom of God than anything else out here. Because, you know, you can speak life with your tongue. You can speak death with your tongue. We're going to get to this probably next week, but the Apostle Paul compared the tongue to an, uh, the udder of, of a large ship. So there's a large ship where a, a thousand people or more can be on this this, this vessel, right, that's in the water and this tiny little piece of wood steers that vessel and just like that, the tongue steers your life. Man, it, it's a powerful truth and, and that's not the only time that the power of your words are spoken about. First of all, remember who you are. You're a child of God. Your father did not create the world by forming a, a massive lump of clay with his hands and then sculpting the mountains with his fingers. He didn't create the world by, by, by carving a river out. No, he spoke life into existence. He spoke light into existence. And his words are so powerful. He said, let there be light. And there wasn't even a source for the light yet. 
He didn't create the stars until three days later. God said, let there be light. And his words are so powerful, they don't even need a source to back them up. They are the source. His words are the source. You are created in his image. And let me tell you, this might sound crazy to you. But hear this for what it is. Your words are just as powerful. You tell me I can create with my words? Absolutely. You create life with your words just like our father did. You create death with your words. You can. You create light with your words just like God did. Or you can create darkness with your words. 1 John chapter 4 says, just like Jesus is in this world, so are we. Your words have just as much power. Proverbs 18.21 is going to be uh, a verse that I'm, I'm going to read it now, and we'll come back to it again next week. Keep this in mind even as Chuck shares his testimony. But Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It doesn't stop there. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Man, you know... When you have a steady diet of fast food and nasty processed stuff, like we all have it every once in a while probably. Some of us do not, right? Some of you are absolutely done with all the processed things and, and, and all the unhealthy food. But if your diet consists of drive through every day and, and whatever else you can grab every night, eventually this diet leads you, leads me to an unhealthy body. It leads us to an unhealthy lifestyle. It is an unhealthy lifestyle. But as we begin to cut that nasty stuff out of our diet, begin to add more, whatever you want to call it, natural stuff, organic stuff, not processed stuff, good stuff. We start eating the healthy food. It takes time. It's a process. But as our diet becomes more healthy, our bodies become more healthy. In the same way, we can eat one bad thing and it might make us feel bad. I was hanging out with a friend Earlier this week, who was dealing with some food stuff, his stomach wasn't feeling good. He said, I ate something bad because this, is, this has knocked me out for the last 12 hours or whatever. So we can eat something that can make us feel instantly bad. Does that sound a lot like words? We can speak a word, and it can make somebody or ourselves feel instantly bad. We can eat something that makes us feel instantly good as well, and we can speak a word of life to somebody, and they can feel instantly good about themselves, or we can feel instantly good. And then more so, a steady diet of either one of these things, healthy words or negative, nasty words, will lead us to, to living a life or it will lead the, us to the environment of our home being filled with chaos and disorder instead of peace and order. It will lead us to our, our, the environment of our homes being filled with, with depression and anxiety instead of joy and peace. And I've been saying this for four weeks. I'm going to keep saying it. That's not your house. Your home is a home of joy. Your home is a home of peace. Your home is a home of abundance. Your home is a home of faith. Well, how can you say that? Because that's what you house on the inside of you. The fruit of the Holy Spirit that is in you produces, or he produces, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faith, gentleness, meekness, self-control. That's what you have the opportunity to fill the walls of your home with. It's got to start right here. And out of the abundance of right here, the mouth speaks. And as you speak words of encouragement, 
the word Austin was saying up here, or discouragement. You know, think about that. The word discourage means to, look it up in the dictionary if you like. I wrote the definition down in my notes. The word discourage means to remove courage. Think about that. If we speak a word to discourage one of our loved ones, or whether it's out of a, a moment of anger or, or whether it's whatever, but as we just, we're literally removing courage from their life. Yet the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is the encourager. That means to put courage inside of someone. What do you want to be? Do you want to be a person that partners with the enemy and speak words of discouragement? Because you can. You can partner with the devil just like you partner with the Lord. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're out there telling the people around us they're no good, they're good for nothing, they're, they're a mistake, or, or all they do is mess up, or you're a failure, or whatever it is that comes out of our mouth, let me tell you, you're partnering with the devil. And if you're sitting there saying, well, they failed, you know who's not calling them out? It's the Holy Spirit. He's saying, hey, get back up. Get back up. Let's learn from this. Every good coach will tell you the only failure is one you don't get up from and learn something. We're so quick to judge, especially our loved ones, and sometimes they get judged before anybody else. We're quick, we're quick to let it come out of our mouth to the ones we're the most familiar with. I'm done partnering with the enemy and the words he's speaking. Let's partner with the Lord and speak the words of life. Let's encourage our loved ones. You know, something Lisa is so, so good at, and after I share this, I'm going to invite Chuck up. Something Lisa is so, so good at is preparing amazing, beautiful meals. She's really good at it. And if you've ever come over to our house for a meal, man, chances are Lisa cooked it. I definitely did not cook it. There's a small chance Ava or Judah cooked it. But she is the one, and they're extravagant, and they're amazing. She's so good at it. She prepares this great meal filled with 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 more than just good food. I mean, she does it in love. She does it with joy. She does it with, with excitement. And you can, you can kind of feel all that. You can experience all of it as you eat this meal together. This verse in Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. And if you love it, those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. And our words are our meal that we prepare for our families, our loved ones every day. And I mentioned this last week. I'm going to mention it again before Chuck comes up, if we could see our words in the form of a prepared meal, we would be so much more careful with what we put out. Because you know what? We're not going to put out something nasty for people that come to our house. We're not going to use the bread that's maybe a little bit too old, but you might would make a peanut butter and jelly out of it if it was just you at the house, right? We're going to get the, the good freshest bread. Right? We're not going to prepare something that looks gross. We're going to even make sure it looks nice. It's not going to be nasty. If we could see our words prepared like a meal, man, we'd be so much more cautious of the words that came out. Or if we could see them gathered in glass jars. I know this is a gross image, but I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm sorry if you care, but I, I, I want to say it like this. How many of your grandpas have a dip cup? Right? They got some people, they carry the dip cup. They got the Dasani water bottles. You think you're drinking water and it's just the grossest, nastiest stuff you've ever done. And I'm going to pull an Andrew Womack here. Are you saying dip is going to, is bad? It'll send me to hell. No, no, dip is not bad. It's not, it's not going to send you to hell. But like Andrew says, it might get you to heaven a little bit faster. So put it away. You don't need that nasty stuff in your life, right? 
uh, it won't send you to hell, but you also don't want to get to heaven faster than you need to, right? But can you picture those dip cups? If you're from Gastonia, I promise you, you can picture a dip cup, right? So it's some, Lisa said it's always a Mountain Dew bottle. But, uh, <laughs> but if we could see our negative, nasty words stacked up against the wall at the end of the day like a bunch of nasty dip cups, that's what they are. And if we could see the, the beautiful crystal clear water in jars of the good words we spoke, at the end of the day, what would there be more of? Would there be more nice crystal clear water or would there be a stack to the roof of nasty old gross looking chew water? <laughs> I know that's gross, but you're going to remember it. And next time you're saying, next time you're going to fall into a little trap saying, I can't believe you. You're just a little. And you're like, oh, I'm not going to make one of those nasty chew water cups right now. I'm going to speak the word of life instead. Because that's what you're serving. And you know, you're forcing it down people's throats too. You're not just saying, hey, you can have this if you want. But you speak those things that goes into somebody's ear. That's it. You didn't just serve it. You served it and shoved it down their throat. Man, let's create. Let's create. A meal that is precious, that is filled with life. And let's, let's enjoy the moment together in our homes of, of enjoying those words that line up with who we are in Christ. And then as, as we continue on a steady diet of that, man, let's watch the environment of our homes look more like the kingdom than ever before. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So that's this idea. That's what I want to introduce to you right now. And uh, I'm going to invite Chuck McCarter to come on up. He is going to share for 10 minutes on uh, this testimony. You know, the word says we overcome. Do we know this one by heart? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Man, everybody in this room, I, I believe, is covered by the blood of the lamb. That means you're a believer. So if you're a believer, this testimony right here is the second part of how we overcome. So if, as Chuck shares with you here, if this is, uh, if, if any part of it, you're like, man, I can totally relate to this. And then leave here encouraged because this is your victory, right? So, Mr. McCarter, thank you for being willing to share with your family here. And uh, I'm excited to hear this as well. I'm going to go sit beside Lisa. I usually stand beside people, but I'm going to Well, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you gave me 10 minutes. I'm going to do my best. I'm a little bit long-winded sometimes, so... Forgive me. Um, give you a little bit of background about what. Give you a little bit of background about what I'm talking about is um, David, my son. He's nine years old. Sometimes he acts like he's 13 or 14. Um, he's my only son, and I know God has a plan for him because of how he entered into the world. Um, he came super early. He was a micro preemie at one pound 13 ounces. Um, you would never know it today by looking at him. He's five foot one. He comes up to here on me at nine years old, nine and a half, he would tell you. So some of the things that we've been dealing with are behavioral challenges, things that he would be doing at school or doing at home, doing with his friends. A couple of things to note was he would uh, take some toys from some of his friends and put them in his book bag, basically keeping them. And he would get caught, and then he would try to lie his way out of those things. And uh, me being his father, that really irked me a lot. Uh, and I, I can have a temper at times. And so I would 
go to him and have a talk with him, but inevitably I would get angry with him. And sometimes I would tell him things that I look back on, and, and, and I'll get into a little bit more of it, but one particular day, <clears throat> this happened, this same kind of situation happened. He took a toy, he hid it from the kid that he took it from, and it just was really bad. I got him home and took him to his bedroom, and the Lord led me to Romans 7. Uh, I have done a study on Romans 7 before, but there was one part in particular about Romans 7 where he talks about struggling with sin. Uh, if you read this out of the New Living Translation, it says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law, that the law is good. And when I hit that verse with David, I, I looked at that and I said, did you have a feeling on the inside of you that told you this was not right? when you took that toy? And he said, yes. I said, that was the Holy Spirit. That was Jesus on the inside of you. He accepted Jesus a few years ago. And I told him, I said, that was Jesus on the inside of you telling you not to do this. <clears throat> and so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And let me tell you, what started out as a conversation with him trying to help him with a behavior problem God took that verse and hit me deep. As a father, when he would have these moments, I would tell him, David, that makes you a thief. That makes you a liar. Trying to, trying to get my point across to him. But God convicted me right then and there. He said, that is not who you are. And I told David, I said, David, this scripture right here, this is not who you are. You've made a mistake. You had a decision that you made. You, you, you made the wrong decision. But that is not who you are. You're a child of God. You're David Chase McCarter. And I called it out on him. And in his tears, because he's fed up with living the way that he's living at nine years old, trying to figure out, what am I doing wrong? And his tears, his cries, he looks at me and he says, Dad, what's the cure? He's nine. What's the cure? I said, David, Jesus is the cure. He is the cure. And I know that nothing good lives in me. This is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I told David, I said, David, you have to make, there are consequences to the decisions that you make in life. But you've got to recognize that there's a battle in your mind. And there's two voices. And I, and I took this to a place where I knew he would relate because we, you know, different movies and stuff that we watch. So I, I pulled up on my phone uh, The Emperor's New Groove. And there's a particular moment where Kronk 
is there and the angel pops up on one shoulder and the devil pops up on the other shoulder. And I said, what's happening there, David? Paul is writing about a situation where you want to do what's right and you don't do it, you inevitably don't do it, right? The angel on one side is telling you what to do. The devil on the other side is, is trying to get you to do something different. I said, you got to be able to recognize the voice of Christ. And then, you know, the week after this happened, I remember Joel and then up here singing a song about the, the voice, your voice is louder. And that was the very next week, the very next Sunday that this happened. Your voice is louder. And boy, you want to talk about moving me. It was moving me. And I had to get that song to show David and let him hear that. I said, this is what I'm talking about. Jesus is a louder voice, but you have to be willing to listen for his voice. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And I said, David, this is all about what you're de dealing with right now. You, there is a war in your mind, and you have to decide, what are you going to listen to? And then this one really got me too. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And I remember David many times during these instances where I would be telling him, you're a thief, you're a liar, you know, all these things, you know, I would be throwing at him. And his, his words became negative about himself. He would say negative things like, I'm stupid, I'm an idiot. He would say those things, and I was putting it on him. Unintentionally, I was putting it on him. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Don't stop. Because then chapter 8 comes. Life in the Spirit. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. I read this to David, and he's nine. I've said that repeatedly, but there's a reason I've said that repeatedly. He's nine. But I could tell that he received it. And I don't know, as a parent, I don't know why I've been raised in church for so many years, and I don't know why it took me this long to have this conversation with him in this way where I went to the, the scripture and, and shared this, but then somebody told me it was a matter of him being at a place of maturity. And once he was able to get to that place of maturity, I could sit him down and have this conversation with him. He has received it. I'm not saying he's perfect. He has moments. He's a nine-year-old. But God is also changing me as a result. He's changing me because 
I have started to say, I'm no longer going to put those labels on you. I don't care what you do. You're not a thief. You're not a liar. When he makes a mistake, I just look at him and say, David, that's not who you are. It's not who you are. You're a child of God. And so I just want to leave that with you. That if any of this challenges you as a parent or as a person for that matter, if any of it challenges you, make an intentional step towards God and towards his word. Because he, he has the answers. They're right there in front of you. Sometimes in our humanity, we miss it. But God's just knocking at the door. Listen to me. His voice is louder. It takes us having the ears to hear. Thank you. Hey, that takes a lot to stand up in front and talk about a mistake you've made as a parent and say this is how the Lord is is leading me in a different way in the result. Uh, Chuck didn't share this. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. But just about a week ago, I walked in here on a Wednesday night. And David was getting ready for a drum lesson. And he, he ran up and handed me this piece of paper that was an award he got at school. Chuck, help me out. I think it was for, um, it, was, it was an award for showing respect, I think, for some. Wasn't it a, a, an award for showing respect? I don't think he'd ever, ever received an award like that before, right? So just a few weeks after this conversation where language and words and the way you spoke to David completely changed, behavior started changing everywhere else. How many times as believers do we, we get it backwards? We say change the behavior and then everything else will be all right. No, if we begin to change our confession, we begin to change what's happening up here. The behavior is a result, right? Man, that's so good. Chuck. Thank you so much for sharing. And he did it on a week where Sarah is in children's church, so she didn't get to sit in here and hear him, but she'll get to watch it. I know she'll hear it. But that's powerful. And you know, Chuck is up here as a father talking about speaking to his son. Let me tell you, if you are a man, even if you don't have a biological child, you're a father, right? You carry that. If you're a woman, you're a mother. Even if you don't have a biological child, you're a mother in, in the area where you work. If, in your school, if you, go to, if you teach at a school, you father people and you have authority to speak into people's lives from a, just from a believer who carries this, this same anointing that Jesus carried. So we don't have to only relate this as a father speaking to a son, but as you're going about your conversations, when you're speaking to any of your loved ones, your spouse, people at work, Man, what is your confession over them? I want mine to line up with the confession of the Lord over them. You're not a thief. That's not who you are. You're a child of God. You are above and not below. You are the head and not the tail. You are a winner, not a loser. You are a lender, not a borrower. And if you're like, how do you know all that? It's all right here. Just study the books, study the words, and get to know what they are so you can speak them. It's important. It's important. We cannot work to earn our salvation, but you got to put some work in to get to know this. You have to actually put it in or at least press play on the audio version and just get it on the inside. Put the work in. If you keep wondering, 
How come stuff like that is working in Chuck's life and not in mine? I can't speak for why that's working in Chuck's life, but I can tell you this. Put the work in. Get to know the word. Get to know the word. Turn off the TV and put this on the inside. Replace it. Replace all the entertainment and the social networks. Lisa and I are on social media less than we ever have been. We don't miss it. Lisa definitely doesn't miss it. I don't know if she, she's been on a social network for months. Put the word in. Put the word in. Get to know it. Chuck, thank you so much. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I mean, Chuck was preaching up here, guys. He was preaching. He, you know, he was reading Romans 7. So many people stop at the end of Romans 7, with, which ends with, what a miserable man I am. And they don't read Romans 8 because there's a little number there. It goes from chapter 7 to chapter 8. But you know, Paul didn't put those numbers there, right? He wrote a letter that was a continuous letter. And when he says, what a miserable man I am, the next line he wrote is, however, let's talk about life in the spirit because I'm more than just a man. And this is a statement right here. Paul didn't have anything you don't have. You know, you got the same thing on the inside of you that the Apostle Paul had. You're not called to anything less than he was called to. He wasn't, he didn't have a chance because he lived in close proximity to Jesus. I mean, he obviously did some great things. But you got the same Holy Spirit he had. You got the same Holy Spirit he had. Man, let's be aware of what we're speaking. Is it life or death? Is it blessing or cursing? Are you agreeing with what the enemy says over your loved ones, over your children, over your friends? Or are you agreeing with what the word says? Because there is power in agreement no matter who you're agreeing with. You've heard me say this before, but even in the natural, agreement is one of the most powerful forces on earth. If two people agree, that's enough to send somebody to jail forever. If two people agree, it's enough to declare somebody innocent of a crime they've been wrongfully committed of. Agreement in the natural is one of the most powerful forces on earth. Man, add the spirit to that. In the supernatural, agreement, there is power. Two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. That's how we have prayer ministers up here and say, get some agreement because it's powerful. Sometimes we don't see it like that, but it is. So man, Chuck gave us a word today. And he gave us a testimony that if we apply it, man, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We can change everything about what goes on between the four walls of our house simply by changing the words we speak. If you live alone, change the environment of the house you live in simply by changing the words you speak. If you have a place of employment and you're the low man or the low woman on the totem pole, you can change the environment of the place you work simply by the words you speak. This well, see, that's a word for somebody. You are not as unseen and uneffective as you think. When you walk into your place of work, you're like a thermostat on the wall as a believer tell that place because of the authority you carry what the temperature should be in that place you set the environment so don't don't look at that place you work as a place of darkness or whatever else and you carry the light when the light enters the darkness there's no more darkness 
demons run when they see you coming or when they just hear a little rumor about it can you imagine that I heard a rumor Victoria's coming to work today we better get out of here I heard a rumor Jonathan's coming into the office today he's not working from home we better get out of here start seeing that. Let the eyes of your imagination be enlightened with who you are in the Spirit. And demons run from you just like they ran from Jesus. Let's all respond to the Word with some worship.